13? Xehanorts? 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 Quinn Milton. And in this very first episode, we are going to be talking generally about what the heck Kingdom Hearts is and be going over the plot of the first game in the series. Also, as a warning, even though these games are for children and involve a lot of Disney characters, we are going to be swearing excessively uh, because this game is a lot and it's really difficult um, to explain, but you know, it's gonna start off easy. Uh, don't, don't worry about yeah. it. There will be swears for emotions and swears for confusions. Uh, so just a, a warning about that. Yeah, so uh, Kingdom Hearts is a video game franchise that is made by the uh, Japanese developers Square Enix and Disney Studios. And the games are directed by Tetsuya Nomura. The first game was released in 2002, uh, titled Kingdom Hearts, which is 15 years ago. And the latest Kingdom Hearts game is Kingdom Hearts 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue, which was just released like three days ago. Um, there are 14 games in the series, and... One thing that we will be talking about, I think, more later is that Kingdom Hearts does this thing that is probably more meant to be interesting, but ends up very frustrating, which is that each successive game, um, with a few exceptions, is actually on a new system. So if you want to be able to play all of the games, uh, you need at least four or five different oh. game systems. Oh no. I no? went ahead and looked into this. Um, the games have been released for seven different platforms. Uh, the only ones who have shared platforms are Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2, which were both released for PlayStation 2. And the compilation games, which pair a bunch of games together, which were released for PlayStation 3 and 4. Um, so if you count the latest game, 2.8, there are eight systems that you need to play all of these games. Uh, yeah, and it's very infuriating. Um, it's maybe brilliant, but... <laughs> also really sucks as a fan trying to get your hands on this story. This also contributes to why it is so difficult to figure out what the hell is going on, because often you will be playing... You, you could start with Kingdom Hearts 1 and then quite logically think that your next step is Kingdom Hearts 2, when in fact there are... There's one game that takes place chronologically between them, and multiple games that take place at the same time as each of them, so yeah. finding your way through the order of the games and having access to all of the games is very difficult and definitely contributes to the confusion. Which is part of why we're here, is that if you have played some of these games but not all of the, these games, you may have very little idea of a lot of the depth 
and bizarreness. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're what's here actually going to on. set everything straight. We'll we'll explain everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't played all the games. Um, to give a overview of my relationship with Kingdom Hearts, uh, I started playing it when it first came out when I was 10 years old, and uh, it's like the first piece of media that I became really obsessed with, and it stole my heart, and then like I spent the next years until Kingdom Hearts 2 came out, desperately searching LimeWire for all the versions of the song, and like finding all the piano sheet music I could to le learn to play the songs, and just basically basically being obsessed with these games. Um, I remember once I heard the commercial for Kingdom Hearts 2 come on the TV in the other room and I went like running and hugged the TV sobbing because it was like really overwhelming. Um, so I have played Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, just a very little bit of Chain of Memories, Birth by Sleep, uh, and now all of 2.8, so that's Dream Drop Distance. Um, Oh, you finished right now. No, I haven't finished yet, but I, like, read what happened. I've been playing it. And, uh, Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage, and I've watched the movie, uh, back page. Back cover. Final page? Final page. The fi whatever it's fucking cinematic thing is in like there. It's, yeah. it's, it's bullshit. <laughs> so, that's me. Uh, it is bullshit. There's a lot of people with animal masks, uh, nothing makes any sense, but we'll get there in yeah, it's long... Bad. At a long time. It'll be a long time. It'll be like two years. It'll yes. It will take us a long time to get there. Um, I I am a much a much more of a fake Kingdom Hearts fan. Uh, I only <laughs> played them um, when I was eighteen or nineteen, and my ex girlfriend introduced me. Um, I love them very deeply, mostly for their characters and because I'm a weirdo and really obsessed with weird narrative structure, and so I'm very interested in all the things that makes Kingdom Hearts incredibly hard to follow. Um, and they play into a lot of my favorite tropes, which I'm sure we'll cover when we get there. Um, but yeah, I have a much less uh, long and deep history. Historic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I grew uh, up I have with these played games. and or seen played, uh, like playing through with uh, my ex, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 2, 380... 378, 372, 372, 99, days, days over, over three, three. I've also played that. Days. We've, we'll refer to it from, from here on as days. Uh, and uh, did I say Birth by Sleep? Birth by Sleep. Uh, I've played about half of Coded and the very beginning of Dream Drop Distance. Um, and the other day I watched Quinn play all of Fragmentary Passage. Passage, Passage and watched the dumb animal mask movie with uh, yeah. Okay. So, basically, how this podcast is going to work is that we are going to go through each game, take a number of episodes to go through um, the overall plot, the main characters, and the significant things that happen to them, the big concepts of the game, the coolest stuff that happens in the game, and then we'll take one or two episodes to go over the finale of each game, um, which tend to be pretty cool. And... At the end of the games, when we've finished covering them, we'll go over what conclusions we've drawn from them and what questions are still left unanswered. And the reason why we're doing this 
is because the story of Kingdom Hearts is extremely additive and information you get from the future games can complicate, confuse, and contradict things that you have concluded beforehand. Um, so when we're talking about Kingdom Hearts, the first game in the next few episodes, we will not be using any information from the outside games except for to maybe say, hey, this is going to be important later on. Yeah, the, the idea here is to provide a really good, familiar grounding so that when we refer to characters in a multitude of ways in the future, uh, you'll be able to draw upon the knowledge that we've given you here. So going through the first game in its entirety and going through a more in-depth look at the characters will really help you and hopefully us, because part of this is also for yeah. our own understanding We're of figuring this dear, it out. dear franchise, uh, to to really be able to refer to those characters and understand the the later things that happen to them in their contexts. Um, yeah, so do you want to begin to take us through? Uh, yeah, oh, just another one? thing, we're probably going to go through the games in order that they were released for the yes. most part. Yes. So We, we want to kind of replicate the experience of playing the games very completionist and really getting every bit of information you could possibly get. Yeah. Okay, so without further ado, uh, we're going to go over what the fuck Kingdom Hearts is, the first game. So your main character is Sora, uh, a 14-year-old boy who is very happy to go lucky, happy to go lucky, happy go lucky, uh, <laughs> friendly, maybe a bit naive, um, and he lives on an island called Destiny Islands with his two best friends, Riku and Kairi. In the beginning of the game, he loses both of his friends as the world is destroyed by darkness and the strange monsters called the Heartless. Um, as the world is destroyed and swallowed, um, he, or before it is, he obtains a weapon called the Keyblade and instead of being obliterated like the rest of the world, he is spirited away to a different world. The Keyblade allows him to fight these strange shadow creatures um, called the Heartless, uh, and generally is something that he can summon at will, um, rather than being a physical blade that he is gifted with, um, and possibly ensures that he is not swept away by darkness along with Riku, Kairi, and the rest of his world. Yeah, there are different keychains that he can equip that changes the form of the blade. Um, there are lots of different interesting ones, and it's connected to his heart. And what's implied is that because he is something about Sora, is uh, makes the Keyblade choose him. And he's mm -hmm. chosen to be a Keyblade wielder, which is really rare in the world at this point. So during the game, Sora travels to all sorts of worlds, uh, most of which are Disney worlds. He travels with his two companions, Donald and Goofy, Donald the Magician and Goofy the Knight. Um, They're from, I believe it's called the Magic Kingdom, which is yes. uh, sort of the main Disney kingdom with the characters that you would think of as like classic, classic Disney. Disney characters, Mickey and Minnie. Um, Donald and Daisy, uh, all of the little ducks from the duck cartoons, Huey, Dewey, Louie. The chipmunks. The chipmunks. Um, basically all of the sort of classic Disney characters um, that are not Disney fairy tale characters, but are just from Disney's own um, yeah. franchise, basically. 
so yeah, uh, so Mickey is King Mickey, who is the king of the magic kingdom, whatever. Um, and he has gone missing, which is why his uh, right hand and his left hand, Donald and Goofy, are out to find him. Um, so, uh, in each world that Sora and his friends go to, um, these worlds are uh, separated, um, but they can be reached and connected because... Uh, the Magic Kingdom has the ability, has kind of dimension ships. They're a bit like spaceships. The gummy um, ships, But yeah. they're made of gummies. Uh, and throughout the game you get different gummies to upgrade your ship, which no one ever bothers to do because it's oh, basically God, it's so useless. Um, but yeah, the, basically Donald and Goofy uh, give you, or let you basically use their ship that they're using to find Mickey. Um, and travel between these kind of dimensions slash yeah. worlds. Uh, everyone at Destiny Island kind of knew that there were other worlds out there, but a lot of worlds don't know that there are exterior worlds. Yeah, the beginning of the game, um, before Destiny Island, which is the island that Sora um, and his friends visit, they don't actually live on that the little small island, but they live in a series on of islands mainland, or, um, yeah. nearby. And they're planning on building a raft, these three kids, to sail out to other worlds. Whether or not this is how it actually works They're not concerned with that. It's not really their this problem. Is also a really shitty raft? It's a very shitty raft. They, it's basically like three logs lashed together and a sail, but they think that they're going to be able to set out and discover other worlds. Part of this is because they know that Kyrie is actually from a different world and yep. came to Destiny Islands from somewhere else. We will pick up on that later. Yeah, so anyway, uh, in every world, uh, there is a villain who has been touched or corrupted by darkness and is doing some bad shit. And basically, uh, as Sora, you investigate fighting Heartless to try to figure out how the Heartless and the darkness has infected this world. You find the villain, who is, you know, Captain Hook, Ursula, Hades, Hades, um, and you defeat them. And then the keyhole to the world's heart opens up before you and you use your keyblade to lock it, therefore preventing the darkness and the heartless from getting in. Um, meanwhile, uh, all this time, you know, Sora is making new friends and discovering new things and solving these problems in different worlds. He's still looking for his friends, Riku and Kairi, who he, you know, he knows they are out there somewhere because of the fucking power of friendship or whatever. Um, <laughs> I believe he can feel that they are still he alive. He can feel that they are still alive. He's very sure. Um, so he's looking for them and Donald and Goofy are looking for the key bearer, him, and Mickey because that's what they were told to do. Yeah, Mickey left them a note in the Magic Kingdom telling them that there would be a Keyblade wielder. Um, and so they have found him, but they're still looking for me. Yeah. Um, the, there is a group of Disney villains who are all led by Maleficent, who is the sorceress dragon from uh, Sleeping Beauty. And obviously the leader of the Yeah, Disney obviously. Because she's, she's amazing. She's the best. <laughs> she's the best. Um, so, you know, these different villains from across the world are organized, and their goal is to find the seven princesses of heart. 
If they get the seven princesses of hearts, they will be able to open the door to Kingdom Hearts, which we will find out and talk about what it is. But they believe that it is a source of great power and information and basically like the place where all hearts come from. Yeah, all it really is in, in this game is like basically a, a giant MacGuffin where whoever has control over it will be able to do whatever they want. It's a great source of power and obviously Maleficent has brought together all of her flunkies to make this yeah. happen for herself because she's... And yeah. these villains, although they are thwarted in part by Sora, uh, they do succeed in capturing uh, the different princesses of heart. There is Alice, uh, Jasmine, Ariel... Correction, it's not Ariel, it's actually Alice, Snow White, Jasmine, Belle, Cinderella, and Aurora. So that you will notice, however, that despite the misfires in that list, it was only six people. Right. Um, and this is because the seventh is Kyrie. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to mention that while you've been going on these adventures as Sora, Riku has been with Maleficent, who is slowly corrupting his heart, uh, telling him that she can help him find Kairi, that Sora has abandoned his friends uh, because of this keyblade. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... Um, Maleficent is very clearly playing on Riku's insecurities and basically being like, he doesn't. he's not even looking for you anymore, he keeps getting sidetracked into these other worlds, um, he cares more about Donald and Goofy than, than he, he does about yeah. you and Kyrie, and it's, yeah, very much playing on that, and, and showing him in visions kind of only specific segments of Sora's story so that Riku will think that he is being abandoned. Yes. Um, should we talk about some of the key points before we get to the ending? Sure. Okay. So, one thing that you find throughout this game that explains sort of explains a lot of the lore, <laughs> is uh, the Ansem Report. And Ansem it was the uh, king of Hollow Bastion. No. Who, no? No, it wasn't Hollow Bastion yet. Well, uh, Radiant Guard. Well, we don't even know it's called Radiant That's Guard. That's true. Okay. He was... <laughs> okay. Spoiler. Spoilers. Uh, okay, so Ansem was the king of a world. We don't even know which one yet. Right. Um, because we'll get to the world it becomes at the end of King of Hearts 1. Right. right? So... For, for the purposes of right now, he was a king of a world, doesn't really matter which one. Um, he was known as Anson the Wise. Um, he was basically a sage, um, and a philosopher, and a scientist. Um, and you are finding the scattered pages of his scientific notes, basically. Um, yeah, because he, he was studying the darkness mm -hmm. and the heartless. Yes. Um, you, really, though, he was studying the darkness, and through studying the darkness... Created the heart, the heartless Oops. is what we is what we find out. Yeah. Um. He basically was obsessed with the idea that people had, like, magical darkness within their hearts, um, and decided that the best way to study this was to conduct experiments such as removing the darkness from someone's heart, uh, creating a pure heart in pure darkness, um, and. Playing with, like, suppressing and or amplifying darkness in people's hearts. You know, like, normal just type heart science. Right? Just experimenting on people's just, hearts. It's totally normal thing for a totally wise and good person to do, right? Uh, in this process, uh, it turns out that when you separate the darkness out of someone's heart, it becomes 
this weird little creature called a heartless, which is the thing that Sora has been fighting this entire game. Um, and those heartless end up seeking hearts full of lights to convert them into more heartless. When a heartless attacks someone who is not a Keyblade wielder, uh, that person collapses, their heart, the darkness separates from their heart, um, and you can actually see this happen, their heart flies into the sky to be... Goes somewhere. Goes somewhere, we don't know where yet, um, and the darkness in their heart becomes another Heartless. So they have basically been ravaging through the worlds since Ansem created them, um, kind of half by accident and half on, person, on purpose. He, the, the journal entries are, they start out with himself, with him sort of talking himself up as a good person, but mm -hmm. very quickly delve into some pretty serious mad scientist vibes. Um, he creates a machine to create more Heartless at a faster rate. Uh, great. It's, it's great stuff. Good stuff. Those, in some ways, have clearly been co-opted and used by Maleficent and her crew. They are, mm -hmm. they're not a separate agency. Like, they're, they're going through the worlds, um, like, sort of on their own volition because all they want to do is seek out hearts and, and convert them into more darkness. But Maleficent, by because she is so tied to darkness in her own self and because she's a powerful sorceress, is able to direct them into worlds at her discretion. Mm -hmm. um, and she's been using them to find Yeah, so basically this terrible thing is happening and the Maleficent comes in and makes it worse. Mm -hmm. There's one other thing that you learn from the Ansem reports um, that is interesting, which is that he, whatever world he was in, he found a girl who he suspected was... A princess of heart and he says he released her uh in order that she Yikes. might uh which is a again very bad scientist vibes uh in order that she she might be called to the keyblade wielder he knew that there was someone who was able to lock the hearts of worlds he didn't want this to happen because then they would be sealed away from the darkness and he was right. like and but he, what if we were pure darkness right he was he thinks that if he could get to the source of darkness he would understand all knowledge in the, in the universe, basically. Yeah. So that's his goal. He didn't want the Keyblade Wielder to mess it up for him, so he quote-unquote released this girl in, in the hopes that she would seek out the Keyblade Wielder, which she did, because she ended up on Destiny Island with Sora and Riku. Yep. And that girl was Kyrie. Sure was. So, uh, anything else about the answer reports? Oh yeah, the, I mean, should probably talk about him getting rid of his body and descending into Right, darkness. okay, so there's a strange moment um, in the Ansem report where he decides that the best thing to do is find the source of the darkness, um, but that he is too old to do so. Specifically, his body is too old to do so. Mm -hmm. So he leaves it behind and continues on. What this means, we will not know for quite a while. Yeah. But you should keep it in mind going forward. It sounds pretty bad and pretty evil. Um, so Ansem is basically set up as the villain of this game. Without actually being there, because the villain that we see is Maleficent. Right. Um, so, the way the first games come to a conclusion, and we'll go into, the, into more detail on later episodes because the finale for the first game is fucking awesome and excellent. But basically what happens is that 
Finally, after reaching all of these different worlds and locking them away, Sora finds Riku at a place called Hollow Bastion, which is the villain's headquarters. Yeah, it's where Maleficent has been hanging out the whole time. It's where she's been having shadowy meetings it's with where all the, the yeah. silhouettes of the other Disney characters, which is hilarious. It's where uh, the Princess of Heart are being suspended. Right, they're in cool, like, mad scientist tubes, basically. Yeah. Um, Riku steals the Keyblade from Sora, being like, actually, this is mine, you're not the chosen one, I am. Um, this is notable because, as we said earlier, it is not a physical weapon. Um, it is something that... Sora can call to his hand, and Riku calls it yeah. from Sora's hand to his. Yeah. Uh, so, importantly, yes. when Riku takes the Keyblade, Donald and Goofy go with Riku because they are under orders from King Mickey to follow the Keyblade wielder. So there's this scene where they're looking remorsefully back at Sora, but knowing that they have to stay with the Keyblade yes. wielder and go with Riku. Anyway, Sora, alone with just a fucking wooden sword, goes through Hollow Bastion and confronts Riku again, where he basically steals the Keyblade back because he's like, my heart is full of light and awesome because I have all these friends and I believe in them. I'm the one who has been fighting for these people. I'm the one who has been saving them. Um, so even if I am not the quote-unquote chosen one, this is... That my, doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um, and gets the blade back and gets his companions, Donald and Goofy, back. Uh, Ryu flees. Uh, Sora and his team go and defeat Maleficent. And they... It's a cool dragon fight. It's very good. Um, and then they find the chamber, the hall, where the seven princesses are kept, and realize that Kairi is one of the princesses. Kairi, uh, Kairi's body is there, but her heart is not in it, so it's basically lifeless. Um, and Riku is there again, except for this time, he looks really fucking evil. He has, like, this, like, sinewy muscle suit yeah. on that is, like, black and blue weird muscle things with the heartless symbol on the chest. Yeah. Um, he looks very different. Yeah. Um, and he looks different because he is possessed by Ansem. Uh... You fight Ansem slash Riku and basically uh, beat him down until he flees back into the darkness, leaving the keyblade he welds, wielded, weld? Held. Wielded. Wielded. Leaving the keyblade he wielded behind, um, which puts Sora in the position where uh, he is like, what the fuck do I do? My friend is here sleeping without a heart. And I, I guess it's Ansem that tells him that Kyrie's heart is inside Sora. It's so Yeah, it's, it's like a weird, like... Is it Ansem? Oh, man. No, I think Kyrie's heart just calls out to him. Yeah, I think that he realizes he is able to... Like, she's there, and he, like, goes over to her... Her, um, like, lifeless, her body. lifeless body. And then she calls out to him, right. but it's because her heart has been uh, safely held inside his. This is a thing that we will oh, talk God. about at great length later, but Sora seems to have the, as a very pure-hearted young man, seems to have the ability to temporarily, um, or otherwise, house the hearts of other pure-hearted folk. 
yes. within his own. And in fact, during this game, one of the mechanics is that you get these shards, which are basically um, parts of people's hearts from worlds that have been destroyed that have somehow survived. And they're drawn to Sora um, because he has this quality, and he can use them to basically summon Disney characters from other worlds to help him fight for brief periods of time. Right. So there's like... Simba that he can use in a combo. Also Chicken Little for some reason? And I think that's only in the second game. Okay, sorry, sorry. Some Spoilers, of them, in the second game there's you can chicken, chicken We don't go to Chicken Little's world though, thank, thank god. god. <laughs> um, anyway, so Sora takes the Keyblade left by Ansem Riku, stabs himself in the chest, uh, and releases his heart and Kairi's heart. Kairi's heart goes back into her body. Great. Sora's heart, however, floats up into the sky, and you see him collapse, and then you wake up, and you are a Heartless. The first Heartless that you have ever encountered, because Sora has turned into a Heartless, because that's what happens when you yep. lose your heart. Yep. He's a very cute Heartless. He's like one of the baseline... So, like, Heartless come in a bunch of different shapes and sizes. They're kind of weird, um, kind of shadowy monsters. Cartoony. Cartoony, shadowy monsters. Yeah. They have a lot of, like, weird stripes and belts and the big Heartless symbol on them. Um... And He's Sora the turns ones. into the adorable ones that you're first fighting who have kind of, they're like, they're kind of like Pikachu-ish. They have like kind of like squiggly, squiggly ears, ears and like totally big black. weird like toady legs that they wander around on. They're very cute and playing as one is very charming. So you play as one for a brief period of time until you make your way back to the top of the castle and Kairi basically restores Sora by her willpower and the power of her heart. Um, so Sora is back. Um, they then, uh, so they seal the world uh, of Hollow Bastion so that it cannot be taken by the darkness. And then they go to the end of the world, which is a place where fragments of destroyed worlds, worlds that have fallen into darkness, remain. Um, I'll, I'm excited to get more into it in the later episodes because it's a really, really cool series of levels and it looks awesome. And just the final, everything leading up to the final boss is incredible. So cool. The, so, um, the, the main feature of the end of the world that matters right now is a door. Right. And this is the door that leads to Kingdom Hearts, which is the thing that everyone has been scrambling for this entire time. Yeah. Um, and they find Ansem there. Yes. So, um, yeah, they find Ansem, uh, who does not look like Riku anymore, but similar. Mm -hmm. Just m more grown. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically the other part of the Venn diagram that was Riku possessed by yeah. Ansem. You have, you have all the height, you have the weird, he doesn't have the weird skin tape. No. Suit, right? No. He just has, like, he looks, he looks pretty evil, even so. He has, um, like, gold Golden eyes. eyes uh, and, like, long the, silver the long hair, silver long hair with, like, a little bit spiky in the back in a, in a way that we will be very familiar with. Uh, dark skin, dark which skin. is important. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he, he's, he's basically the other half of the, of yeah. the possession. So you fight him and beat him. And right before he, when he's beaten but not dead, Ansem basically says, uh, Kingdom Hearts, the source of all hearts, is made out of darkness. Right. And he wants to control that darkness. And Sora is like, 
fuck you, I know the Kingdom Hearts is full of light. And the door opens, uh, releasing a beam of light, and Ansem is obliterated in it. Yeah, uh, Kingdom Hearts is light, is the sort of the rallying cry and the message of this first game. It's yes. like basically this source that we've been talking about the whole time, this thing that will grant all knowledge or grant all power or whatever is inherently good. And Sora recognizing that and knowing that, even though he is like a 14-year-old boy from the middle of nowhere, is like an aspect of who he is and why he matters that yeah. will be important. So the door to Kingdom Hearts opens, and beyond the door are Mickey and Riku. Riku is restored, he's no longer possessed, and Mickey has a keyblade that looks like the inverse of Sora's basic keyblade. These are called the Kingdom Keys, and you need both of them to lock the door to Kingdom Hearts. It also, unfortunately, must be locked from both, both sides. sides at once, which means that someone is going to have to stay in the darkness. So... Sora, on one side, with Donald and Goofy, locks the door, while Mickey and Riku, on the other side, in the world of darkness, lock it together. Right. And before the door finally closes, um, Sora basically makes a promise that he and Riku and Kairi will meet each other once again. Right. He has an opportunity to go with Kairi, um, sort of on the remains of Destiny Island, um, and go back with her to live as he was before, um or do whatever, but he decides instead to split off a third way to find a way to get to Riku again and yeah. not leave him in the darkness. Yeah. And all of the worlds that have been destroyed, including Destiny Island's Your Home, are restored. And that is the end of the game. Right. So just as a quick check-in, because this will get very confusing later on, at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, Riku and Mickey are in the realm of darkness, behind the door to Kingdom Hearts. Sora is off with Donald and Goofy looking for Riku, and Kairi is back on Destiny Island. Yep. And those, those are, that's the status of our main three. Right. So, um, the first Kingdom Hearts game is relatively simple compared to the other ones. Yeah. Um, and it's a really great game um like obviously i love it a lot but i think it's just like incredibly solid from all perspectives mm -hmm. um yeah but i think we wanted to talk about you know why we are doing this podcast and why these games are you a case for why these games are interesting and, and good. good yeah uh because for all intents and purposes they shouldn't work they are disney mashed up with uh JRPGs and like Final Fantasy. We didn't actually talk about the Final Fantasy characters at all. They um, so they don't really matter. They don't really matter. Just like as a quick as a quick rundown. Um, in Traverse Town, when you are first separated from your friends, you run into this guy who's calling himself Leon, who is actually Squall from Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Along with who else is there? Uh, Aerith. Aerith and Tifa? Ninja Girl. Tifa. Tifa. Is that her name? I, I did not play the Final Fantasy games. I, <laughs> I think her name is Tifa. Ninja Girl. Yeah. Uh, wait, no, it's Yuffie. Yuffie. Tifa's someone else. Yuffie. Okay, so Yuffie uh, and Aerith are, and Squall, are, are all in Traverse Town, kind of just hanging out, and like, they're, they imply that their world was, uh, was taken by the darkness, they're here now, and they help you out and explain a lot of the initial stuff, like, 
Yeah. Like, the fa- basically the fact that the Heartless exist and that there are a bunch what of worlds being destroyed and what the fucking Keyblade is. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of there as guides. Later on, you run into Cloud. And Sephiroth. And Sephiroth. Um, Cloud is involved in the um, arena that is the Hercules level. Um, and you basically are trying to beat Cloud and... Knock some sense into him, really. Knock some sense into him, basically, but also, like, display that you're the best hero kind of thing. Um, which is hilarious, because I think, like, it's a very funny thing to think about as this game came out, with Cloud being, like, the (laughs) most popular Final Fantasy hero, that, like, this, like, little 14-year-old boy is there to be like, no, I'm a better hero. I mean, I feel like Cloud and Sephiroth are in these games just because people, like, have fucking boners for them. Oh yeah, that's for sure true. You know, this was around the time where the Final Fantasy VII movie right. was made, yes. which I guess was a big deal. Right. Um, but yeah, they the Final Fantasy characters are there to kind of to help some story things along, but I it's not very important. It's not very important. They're basically bonuses for people who are fans of yeah the Final Fantasy games and the franchise. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, to go back to, like, why these games are good and, and what makes us care about them, to me, like, this game is the setup for something that I'm excited to talk about, which is kind of, the, in this game, good and evil are very clear. Like, you could not have them be more clear. Mm-hmm. Your, your evil is a mad scientist and... The force of darkness. The force of darkness and a bunch of familiar Disney villains. Like... That's very clearly, those are bad people that you should stop. Um, And you are good people. You're all about the power of friendship. You're all about hanging out with all the Disney heroes that you really love. Like hope. Um, You're all about hope. You're all about saving your friends. Light. And all of, yeah, you, and you inherently know that light is stronger than darkness. So if there is a thing that is the strongest thing in the universe, it must be light. Um, and that knowledge is what lets you defeat the darkness. So, like, that is, like, a very clear message to begin with. Yeah. And that message is something to think about as we go forward, because I think that it is complicated in very interesting ways. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's incredibly basic, but somehow it really works. I think because the Disney stories and worlds that you go to are already pretty morally simple mm-hmm. um and then in a game they're kind of condensed and giving less airtime than right. a full movie is um so you have some familiarity with them but um they need to be kind of simplified yeah. um but between all of them you're reiterating different themes um and exploring like how are these villains, you know, being touched by darkness? How do these heroes resist it or are right. tempted by it? And also um, a sort of different struggle, which is that of making new friends, uh, holding bonds between friends who are far away, and searching for those who you have lost. Right. And I think that the, the seed of the complication that comes later is Riku. Because you have a character yeah. who is a protagonist, he's presented to you as your friend, you have a very good relationship with him, he is preyed upon and turned to darkness mm-hmm. um, by the very evil forces, uh, multiple of the very evil forces. You have both Maleficent working like kind of psychological like corruption on him, mm-hmm. and then you have the literal possession by Ansem. Um, and so I think that he is kind of the 
focal point for what could become a sort of gray issue. Yes, where it's, in the first someone game, who takes yeah. evil actions um, because he believes in a in a different reality. Than yeah, the one that's he's happening. trying to he's, find and save yeah. his friends, and he has this resentment that we should highlight. I think um, of Sora because Sora is doing a job that he, for reasons that we're not entirely certain of yet, believes should be his job, which is yes. saving these worlds, wielding the Keyblade, and kind of being this hero that Sora very uncomplicatedly just becomes because it is he is called upon to do it. Right. Um, the other reason why this game works uh, and is really fun, I mean, there are many different elements, but to name a few, um, the combat playstyle is very fun. You're basically just button mashing X, but you have the animations for all the different moves and the combos get really good. You can do a lot to like kind of uh, change up your Keyblade. Like there are a bunch of different ways to modify it and create new ones. And like, it's just like, it is a very simple combat system that you can make complicated if that's the kind of gamer you are, which is yeah. helpful. And, and I think it's, it opens it up to a bunch of different kinds of players. For some reason, like, the limited basic movement that you get, like, dodge rolling, blocking, uh, deflections in the air... Yeah, eventually like, flying when Peter Pan... Eventually fl fly. flying and, fl and flying, um, like, you kind of get used to them physically and then you're in this big chaotic fight and you're mashing buttons constantly yeah. trying to hit these different things and it's just it's very satisfying um another reason why the games work is that the soundtrack is really excellent so and good. like hits those emotional moments yeah. so you're like oh i care so much yeah. about this like light and the fact yeah. that you're not to this letter from fucking just, it yeah, you, like, care you. about a letter from Mickey Mouse, which is, like, how... Uh, like, you wouldn't necessarily believe that you could care about a like, letter from Mickey Mouse, but you do. And, like, I don't know, the, the end of the game breaks my heart, because you do have mm -hmm. these characters, the entire game, you're looking for... You're looking, they're looking Kyrie, for each and other. And you found Kyrie, and you had that sort of closure, but you never get that with Riku. He's, yeah. a, he's there, and then he's immediately doing something... That is very selfless and is very like necessary to save all these worlds. He he yeah. does get a hero moment at the end. You of have the game. to close the door. And, yeah, and that means that you have to separate yourself right. maybe forever from right. one of the person that you care about most of the yeah. world, and it's really rough. It's very sad. <sighs> <laughs> Um, oh, another great thing about these games that make them work is that, like, they're very fun. Um, you get a bunch of different outfits for a lot of the mm -hmm. worlds that you visit to. Yeah. Uh, you get to be a merman for yes. uh, Little uh, Mainland, which is amazing. It's great. You get a sweet costume for um, The Night Before Christmas Yeah, you've got, lands. like, a cool pumpkin mask. It's great. Uh, and you get to exchange into your party these different um, Disney heroes, like... Tarzan, uh, Jack Skellington. The best of which is clearly Beast. Oh my god, yes. Beast in these games is amazing. Is there, uh, is there anything else that we wanted to cover in our first episode? I don't know, um, I think next time we can talk about, I don't know, do you want to talk about, like, 
any favorite worlds or we kind of talked about that a little bit right now. I think but... we can get into like favorite worlds and moments when we talk about all the Disney shit. Okay. Sounds good. Um, all right. So yeah, next episode we will be going into a more in-depth character kind of thing going through everything that um, Sora goes through and what it says about him and his character um, and as well as his connections to other characters um, like the best moments from this game, um, yeah. Yeah, like more about uh, his innate ability to house other people in his heart, uh, more about his innate goodness and his relationship to being a hero and a bunch of other things that um, you kind of get from playing the game but that we're going to talk about at great length because we have a lot of emotions. Um, so many emotions. So many emotions. Dumb games. But yeah, that about does it for our first episode. Um, hopefully, you have enjoyed it as much as we have. I think this was very fun. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Before we leave, uh, we should ask ourselves: um, Did we identify any Xehanorts in this episode? No. No Xehanorts. We Zanorts. still have no idea who any Xehanorts are. And there are potentially thirteen of them. So we'll have to come back to that question. Yeah, that'll be a, a, a thing that we'll, we'll keep doing the Xehanort check-in. But as of now, no Xehanorts. No uh, so it's been eight months since we recorded this episode for the first time. Um, and since then, there have been a few new developments. So um, as of now, at the beginning of October 2017, the yes. full list of Kingdom Hearts titles is as follows. Kingdom Hearts, uh, this is the, sorry, this is the list going chronologically, not by release date, but by right. in-world, universe, whatever. Yes. Kingdom Hearts X, Kingdom Hearts X back cover, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts Point to Birth by Sleep a Fragmentary Passage, Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts Coded, Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance. And there are also some remixes of these games. So you have, again in chronological order, Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts Re Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts Re Coded, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.5 Remix, Kingdom Hearts Unchained X or Key, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue, and Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix. Yeah, so the 1.5 and 2.5 is what has been released since we originally recorded right. this podcast, and it is a bundle for the PlayStation 4 and 3? Is mm -hmm. it also for 3? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that contains... Like six fucking games, and the number. These are the different consoles that are needed to play all of these games in their original form. So without the remixes, you would need to have PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four, Game Boy Advance, Nintendo DS, Nintendo 3DS, PlayStation Portable, mobile uh, device of some kind, and a PC. Which is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, PC is the original Kingdom Hearts X, or Kingdom Hearts oh, Key. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they re-released it for mobile and called it right. Kingdom Hearts 
Unchained X because there's just there's just something going on with these these titling sequences. So that's 10 different games and 10 different remixes. And 10 different remixes, which is 10 different releases, of like re-releases games. of those games like remastered or repackaged or made for a different um, console. console. And this is the 15th year of releases for this studio. And in that, they have sort of made 20 games. And yet, we have still not gotten Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, uh, as of July, it it is supposed to come out next year. In 2018. Quinn and I have a healthy sense of disbelief around that, um, but... Who knows? Maybe this time next year we will be playing Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, that would be crazy. And maybe we'll have played through enough of the next games to make this podcast be prepared for it. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully uh, you will be, no matter what, hopefully you will be going into Kingdom Hearts 3 well-informed uh, and completely equipped with all of the lore that you could ever want in another five years. Another five years? 2018? I just, like, I don't, <laughs> I do not believe you, Squeenix. No, no. We've been burned too many times. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was just a little update. Thanks, guys. Next week, we are going to be talking about Sora in the first Kingdom Hearts game. And you can find us on Twitter at 13 xehanorts 13 x e h a n O-R-T-S. And you can send us an email at 13xehanorts, the same thing, at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to send in questions or corrections. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's about it. Okay, we will see you next week when we talk about Sora. Thanks for listening. <laughs>